Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey, Rush Nation, before we get to today's show, which is an absolute banger, trust me on this, I want to tell you about the Fantasy Football Playbook. Murph and I have been working really hard, blood, sweat and tears have been pushed into our first publication, and we are pleased to announce what you must have seen on Twitter by now, but we are releasing on June the 1st. It's a book about fantasy football. Shock, this is a fantasy football podcast, but it's got strategy guides for all formats, rookie player profile reviews, Murph's PAS metric, which is exclusive to the podcast and the book, and it is currently on pre-sale. So get it cheaper before it goes up on June the 1st. Head over to fiveyardrush.co.uk into the shop and go buy yourself the fantasy football playbook. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? We're back. It's Tuesday. Wouldn't be Tuesday without Five Yard Rush dropping into your podcast inbox. It's just me and Murph. It's unusual. I know normally there's a guest rolling about, but we thought let's go old school. We're celebrating today, and we thought what better way to do it than just us? We do owe you draft part two our review and you're gonna get it right here right now big man how you doing on this celebratory tuesday yeah man it's uh it's awesome um really good to do what we have done which we'll talk about in a minute um yeah this this second pod's been a while coming i've had people ask me an interesting when's part two when's part two and um really sorry it's taken a while schedules um Stocks went back to work. My schedule got pretty hectic. 
we had uh, a little project on the side that we were trying to get done. And um, then we got some guests that we weren't expecting, uh, like Vernon K, for example, it was kind of an unexpected uh, guest that was like, okay, we take that opportunity. Um, we have a really, really awesome guest for you uh, at the end of the week, um, which I genuinely cannot wait for because I would go as far as to say it's probably top three top three guest all time uh, easily top three guest all time could be pushing pushing scott hansen for the the top prize yes, that's big so, words and we haven't even recorded it yet so Murph's we haven't recorded it so that's what i mean it's literally friday we're gonna do it so it is gonna be a blockbuster it's a blockbuster name um but yeah it's been a awesome awesome week uh it's gonna get even better so yeah uh, and yourself back to work all okay yeah yeah it's like i never left it's, it's pretty much exactly the same which is is that's this time of year though i just spend a lot of time on my own listening to podcasts because i'm sat on a mower so it's all good it's all good if you by any chance rush nation pre-ordered the book and haven't checked your inbox yet go have a little look see because you'll find it sitting there the fantasy football playbook will be there in your inbox or oh, i mean it's a dropbox code you've got to click on that to get it but the code's there for you to go and get so essentially it is in your inbox we thought we'd give it to you early. Yeah, absolutely. So you might find two emails. Um, Lee updated something. So I updated the Dropbox link. So one of them, the first invite that was sent out earlier isn't going to work. So if you downloaded it already, it's a very small change. You're not going to miss it. You can download the latest version if you like. But it, it's just there was a, a really tiny little change that was made. Um there, there isn't any consequence of the text or everything that was in between the book. So um, if you got it, the latest version of the email has got the latest version of the book that has gone out to everybody that pre-ordered and paid. Thank you so much for backing us. We've been overwhelmed with the support and love for people that have ordered the book um, as, as blind faith, just from listening to us and, you know, Neither of us have got English degrees or journalism degrees, so we appreciate. Not. <laughs> um, we appreciate the the faith that we can, uh, you know, put together a three hundred page book that we have done, and uh, we appreciate the the lovely messages we've had over the last couple of hours and through all this process. And if you haven't pre ordered, um, even though the book is is going out and it has gone out to people that pre ordered you can still pre-order now. So we're going to hold that price until Monday. We've released the book early. Um, if you do the pre-order price, we'll get it out to you really quickly. Uh, it might not be immediate, but it will be, you know, within 24 hours, if not sooner, probably sooner. Uh, as soon as one of us can pick it up, we'll, we'll, we'll mail it to you. But, you know, we're going to hold that price. We said we'll pre-order price. It's five ninety nine, 300-page book. There's not many books you can buy now that are, uh 5.99 let alone have 300 pages of content so that's a that's the thing we're also doing the giveaway we're going to draw that thursday morning so if you want to be entered in for that you can uh you need to pre-order pretty much by wednesday night maybe first thing thursday so um if you want to enter that there's four prizes that we're giving away and that is a union jack helmet um mini helmet uh, a cap of a new era uh, cap from the team of your choice. Uh, any t-shirt from the five hour rush uh, portfolio of 
t-shirts that we have in the store. Uh, there is a slight delay on that one that's due to supplier, but we will get that out as soon as we're able to start printing and it will be before the season we hope um and the fourth will just get a refund so effectively they're getting their book for free um we'll, we'll just find their details and uh or maybe send something via paypal or something and we'll just email you we'll just send it back uh whatever you paid for the book the 5.99 so um and everybody that's pre-ordered a book up until this stage um will get guaranteed entry into the ffcc for being a supporter of the book and the podcast Yep. Oh, or just to mention on the printing, Murph mentioned it. A couple of people did order merchandise with their books. It's all been ordered. I'm just waiting on the print shop to essentially go back to work. Um, I don't know when that will be um, because I don't know where the print shop is. So I imagine once stuff starts to get back to normal, they'll get an email. I'll, I'll get an email saying that it's it's been processed and, and then we'll go from there. So I've notified you... everyone and you've notified everyone there. Yeah. But if you yeah, haven't well, seen if you haven't seen any notifications, this is your audio notification as you if you like. Yeah. yeah it once I know, you'll know basically. Absolutely. Do we want to drop the last bit of special news about the book? Uh, if you want. No, it's up to you. You don't have to. No, we no, yeah, we, we, we give might. it a surprise. No, no, go on then. You might as well. Finish it so off. on top of everything and everything we've put together, we are also releasing the book on Amazon. Um, that will be out in the next few days. Um, the ebook version will be available direct to Kindle. What I would say is it's cheaper to buy the pre-order version and then email it to your Kindle device or Kobo device, or whatever it is. Um, if you need help doing that, I'm happy to, uh, explain although you can google it it's not a very difficult process with kindle you eventually you actually just um, attach the file and just send it to your specified kindle address um which you set up when you set up your kindle um so it's still cheaper to buy it through us directly on the website and you can email it to yourself and have it on your ebook but if you do want the kindle version that will be there that will be a little bit more expensive um and then there will also be a print version as well for those of you that are old school and want a print copy um so that will be out in a few days and then whatever time it takes to for them to print and send it to you so basically uh, we are finishing off the paperback this evening lee and i have got a bit of work to do on the design still and then it can take up to 72 hours to process so for instance, I, I don't know, the start of next week, maybe the paperback might be available. Not quite sure on the price yet because we haven't got to the pricing screen because we had to wait for the cover art to be loaded. So it's a bit of a slow process, but there will be a paperback. And then maybe in a couple of weeks, there's going to be a possibility of a hardback RT edition, but that will be, I'm not going to lie, Rush Nation, frighteningly expensive. And I don't imagine you'll want to be buying it, but. There, there will be that option as well so if you do seriously want a hardback get get in contact because we can make it happen it will just it will cost you a few more quid than the 5.99 it currently does <laughs> significantly more <laughs> i'm not gonna lie yeah um so yeah it, it, that is an option if you want a very rare limited edition i think for that for what we might be charged well not what we're charging because we're not going to make anything off the hardbacks no um we're probably going to have to sign them. <laughs> Maybe that devalues them more. Maybe we don't sign them. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I don't know. We'll do something. If you want a hardback version, we'll do something to make it more special. I don't know how. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's exciting times to have it out. Um, some responses that we've had have been incredible already um, from people that have just been flicking through. A lot of people weren't expecting it to be as big as it was, which 
um, is awesome. Um, you know, we, we're not pricing this to make, you know, money and retire from our jobs. Um, that would be a, a nice dream, but uh, we haven't done this to, um, we haven't done this really to make money. We, the podcast costs a little bit to run, um, costs a lot of time, a lot of effort, but there is some financials and the, the money we're kind of charging is, sort of fundraising really for for that to to he's pay putting off out fires things. beneath our feet murph is what he's doing <laughs> little something like that and then if we can have a beer when it's all said and done that might be what we get out of it and maybe a little bit more but it's not we're not you know it's not a grand money-making scheme um at all and we don't care it's that's never what this has been about for us it's been about um learning and growing a community and having more fantasy players and every single off season we just seem to meet more players who were just desperate to get into a fantasy football community and it's growing bigger it's growing stronger it's growing it's just better um than it was three years ago and it was two years ago and it was last summer it's it can i can tell this summer is going to be amazing with even more players desperate to to get involved so you know if you're new to fantasy football it's a perfect guide if you experience the fantasy football it's a perfect guide because there's <laughs> there's a little something for for everybody in there and you know, and happy to explain as I put in the book numerous times, put my email in there. Um, always encourage you to reach out. If there's anything you want explaining in there, some of the analytical stuff, uh, some of the breakdowns of the charts, uh, anything like that, just, just reach out. Um, I put raw data in there. It's not fully explained because it's it, the, the data itself isn't as important as the outcomes of that data, which is kind of what we have explained throughout the book um so, so i didn't go into tons of detail about those i think 34 pages of charts um but it's enough for you to work out what it's there and how it presents but uh, if you do have more questions you can definitely reach out there 100 percent. so murph that's enough book talk don't know uh, this isn't a library podcast it's a fantasy football podcast so let's talk about the real nfl draft that has nothing to do with fantasy football <laughs> Well, yeah, well, before that, there is one bit of news, and there normally isn't a lot of news, but uh, the one bit of news that's come out this week is Jamal Adams isn't likely to get an extension or be traded at any point uh, soon. So Jamal Adams wants an extended contract. The Jets are prepared potentially to give him one, but kind of want to see how the landscape is with regards to the league in this season before they offer it. Jamal Adams wants it now. He wants the security. Um, Some rumours going around about Dallas potentially looking at him to to come in and, and maybe trade for him that is as far as NFL network insiders has been completely rubbish as false or untrue or too early at this stage. So it's unlikely Jamal Adams is going to get his contract or he's going to be traded at any point soon, but then knowing the NFL tomorrow, he'll probably end up, I don't know, in, in Detroit. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, here's a, spicy, here's a spicy take for your mouth. And this, you'll probably shoot this down straight away, but the Dallas Cowboys drafted CD lamb because they were going to always trade for Jamal Adams, who's unsettled at the Jets. And in doing so, they thought, Amari Cooper, we'll, we'll, sw- we'll slide you over for Jamal Adams. <laughs> uh, that'd be an interesting scenario. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, somehow don't know if that's going to be the one that works. But hey, uh, I, like the, I like the thinking. Maybe, maybe that could happen. Yeah, who knows? So let's talk some draft. Let's do our review part two. In the first part, we got rid of off the list, I should say. We reviewed the Vikings, the Ravens, the Cowboys, the Broncos, the Dolphins, the Bucks, the Packers, the Bengals, the Cardinals, the Panthers, the Giants, the Raiders, the Rams, the Jets, the Chiefs, the Lions, the Bills, 
when I saw that list, I thought I'm going to have a go at this in one breath. And then I got halfway through and thought, nah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Whew, that was 17 teams. We're going to start. Yeah, we the... thought it was 16. And then I went back and listened to it and turned out it was 17 teams we covered. We just couldn't count. Um, oh, Murph, you could say that we like to give you that little bit extra. Yeah. That's also fair. So I did, yeah. We are going to start with the New England Patriots. How do you feel they did, Murph? You know, they drafted a kicker. It it was a very Patriots-y draft, I think. I thought the Patriots draft was... uh, It's an interesting one. I thought it was okay. Um, Yes, they drafted a kicker. They managed to find a kicker who was um, controversial, which I think is amazing, the fact that there's a controversial kicker out there. Um, with his tattoos, and apparently he uh, is just got some very bizarre takes that aren't with. I'm trying to think of a way to say this and not be too controversial. Uh, he basically believes in white supremacy based on his tattoos. He says that's not the case, and it was more just about um, he didn't know what he was getting and all that sort of stuff. I find that hard to believe that 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 someone could be that naive and get a tattoo or something and not know what it is. Mm. Um, but was he any good? Uh, I mean, he was okay. I wouldn't have said he was the best kicker in this draft. I, I, I thought Rodrigo Blankenship was was by far. But he didn't uh, even get drafted. And did he not? I thought I'm he pretty sure very, it was UDFA. Then he could have been Blankenship was was by far the best the best kicker in this draft. Uh, he had the best record in college. Yeah. So the Patriots they did the uh, double tight end move again with Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keane. Drafted safety Kyle Duggar, defensive end Josh Uche from Michigan, another defensive end in Anna Faye Jennings, offensive tackle Justin Heron, who I was pretty high on in before the draft, linebacker Casa Malula, sorry, murdered your name there, Brat, and then centre Dustin Woodward at the end. Yeah, um, I think the, the best ones, Josh Uche, you mentioned, Kyle Duggar, um, and Anna Faye Jennings. I think for me, they were sort of the picks uh, of this. Um, so I, I think they did well to trade out of the first round. They didn't have a lot of early picks in this draft, so they picked up a few. Um, I don't think they necessarily used them in the in the best uh, areas. I mean, they, they drafted the safety out of... Um, a very, very small school could be brilliant. You never know. I mean, the Patriots, you always kind of have to look at them quite quizzically because they, they always seem to pull something out. I thought the draft was pretty good on the whole. Uh, I, I'm not anti, I'm not this, this guy who, who thinks that kickers should just automatically go undrafted. Um, yes. Very interesting. They took a guy with character, not character issues, but he's obviously caused a stir, um, which is not something you should want, but, I think on the whole, they did all right. I think I gave them a, a B, a solid B. Um, couldn't find a lot of fault. Considering they had a lot of late picks, not a lot of early picks, they did well to move around this draft ball quite a bit and to pick up some picks. Yeah. Yeah. I think Kyle Duggar is a bit of a hybrid player as well, isn't he? he they want to play him everywhere. Yeah, very versatile player, can play multiple positions. He, he won't leave the field. He's, a, he's definitely a good um, He's definitely a good pick. Right then, moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles. How do you think they did? I can't find them on my list currently, so I'm just scrolling through. Yeah. So if you could cover for me, that would be grand. They're they're an interesting team. Um, I, I, the headlines from from them is is Jalen Hurts in in round two. Um, people sitting there thinking this is a, a terrible pick. 
I kind of understand it more than I do um, the first round pick of the Packers to take uh, Jordan Love. I think Jalen Hurts has more upside than Jordan Love. I liked him as a prospect more than I liked uh, Jordan Love. They didn't trade up to get Jalen Hurts. Um, kind of fell to them. Philadelphia have always been an organization that have invested heavily in the um, backup quarterback position. Doug Peterson was a backup quarterback himself, and he's the head coach. Nick Foles obviously won the MV, the Super Bowl MVP um, as a backup quarterback. I mean, they've always had that. And then you always have this question mark with Wentz. Can he play 16 games? Which this season, ironically, he did and then got injured and missed the playoffs. Yes, and it was a it was a it was a it was a concussion. It wasn't his fault. He was hit uh, in a way that should not he he should not have been hit in that way. It was an injury by a foul, and that's why he left the game in the playoffs, and that effectively ruined their playoffs. Um, I do think it's important to have a backup quarterback. You can always question why did you take him in the in the second round. You just never know. You never know. Wentz has been injured most years. I don't, I don't hate it at all. Um, I, I don't think I would have done it, but I understand the logic of that a little bit more than, than getting someone to play behind Aaron Rodgers. Cause I think with Wentz, Wentz has that propensity to go down for five games, six games, and you need someone to come in and play. And I think Hertz has a lot of upside to do that. Plus he's also a hyper player. See, he'll play on the offense. He will run with the football. He's a bit like a Taysom Hill and everyone compares any sort of, gadget player to Taysom Hill, but he'll run some jet sweeps. He'll run some, some routes. He'll probably catch a few balls. He'll probably run a few. So he will be active in that offense. Uh, so he will have playmaking ability, which is fine. And that you, you can kind of get your value that way. Um, Rager is always going to be another question for the first uh, round pick. I like Rager. I don't love him. I understand the pick. I know what they're looking for. Makes sense. Um, I think there was probably better players and I probably would have waited around, but then it was their biggest position of need. Um, they took a, a few extra wide receivers. Um, John Hightower, Quez Watkins, they then traded for Marquise Goodwin during the draft. But I, my probably my favorite pick uh, of them all was um, Davion Taylor, the linebacker. I really like him. think he's someone that could be a real playmaker for them in a position of need. So, I, I liked it. I think they needed the corner. I gave them a, a, a B minus because I actually liked parts of their draft, thought it was solid. Um, I just think that they could have probably come away with something slightly better than Rager. But other than that, I think it was good. Yeah, I agree. Do you know what the Vegas over under on the amount of passes Jalen? No, yeah, Jalen Hurts catches this season. Uh, I would have said, well, pa- catches is a number of passes. Yeah. Uh, 25. Oh, hammer the over. He's catching more than that all day long. I know, right? I'm not Five. even a gambler, but even I would tell you that that's... Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I think he catches... Uh, 20 would have been high, like 10, 15, I think he catches. Plus he'll run the ball as well. I Yeah, I, I can't see... I can see that happening. No problem. Right then, let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks. Do you know... Without knowing their draft, I couldn't have told you a single player the Seahawks drafted apart from DJ Dallas because Josh Drink texted me and uh, said, oh, I told you they were going to draft a running back. That was the only player. The rest of them, I couldn't have told you they drafted any of them. It was completely unsplashy. It was it was a really boring 
it was a really boring draft. Um, they reached for Jordan Brooks in round one. I, I didn't get that. I did not get that at all. Didn't feel he was a first-round talent. Didn't think he was a first-round player. I did many mocks. I was part of mocks. I've read a lot of mocks. I don't think I ever saw Jordan Brooks in the first round of a mock by anyone. Now, that's not to say that that's not to say that we're wrong, right? Or that we're right. Um, it's purely a fact of these mocks eventually start to determine people's values. And I'm sorry, I'm pretty certain they could have got uh, Jordan Brooks in the second round if they really liked him. I thought he was a third round player, the second round player. Fine. I don't hate it as much. I just think they they just drafted randomly. DJ Dallas, maybe they've got some injury concerns over Carson, but then they announced Carson's going to be fit for the start of the season. So then you think, okay, why have you taken Dallas? That is a bit questionable. Um, Stephen Sullivan is a player who, if someone can tell me what position he plays, I don't want to know what he was listed as. I want to see, I want to know what actual position he plays because at LSU, he played pretty much everywhere slash nowhere. Like he wasn't good enough to own any of the positions that he played in at LSU. A versatile player, but what is he? I don't, I don't really know. A jack of none. Yeah. I mean, the guard they picked up, Lewis, he's all right. I think he's a good player. I think they got him at good value. I just, I don't know. Exactly. exactly I mean, Steve, I mean, Sullivan for me, I think if they line him up at tight end, which is what they could happen. They've got like five tight ends now. Yeah, well, they draw like two. I, yeah, I, <laughs> more than that. You've got Disley, you've got Hollister, you've got Greg Olsen. Olsen. Uh, like, what are you, I, I don't know. Um, like a mini bear. I mean, he could be He could be great. Like, Sullivan has some flashes. I don't know. I just don't know where he plays. I don't know where you're going to get the best out of him in the NFL. And I think it's very hard to be a good player in the NFL without mastering a position. And I just don't think he, he, he has. Um, so we'll see. Um, all in all, I actually really, I thought this draft was poor. Uh, I gave it a C. Um, I didn't really feel like they got value anywhere in the draft. I don't feel like they got better either. I don't think any of the players they picked make them a better football team. And more importantly, they just seem to skip uh, pass rush, which I just thought was bizarre, given that they, they need pass rush. But Let's move on to a team who I think had a much better draft, and that was the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers didn't have many picks, and uh, they addressed the two positions they desperately needed when they got rid of DeForest Butner and Emmanuel Sanders, and they went out and got Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't volume, but they, they filled the holes they had. So they, they went ahead. They, the, the, the problem they had is that the two first-rounders, and they had no day-two picks, um, they picked up a day two pick by moving back one spot with the trade to the Buccaneers, um, moved 13 to 14 and, and getting um, Javon Kinlaw, great player, perfect position, really a player in need. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, the same. He's a guy, you know, he, he's the sort of Carl Shanahan receiver type. So makes complete sense for scheme and fit. He's going to be a good player for fantasy. A lot remains to be seen. He's been taken. He, of all those first round wide receivers, he's the one that people really just don't want to invest in. And part of that is the system. And part of that is the player. I still think he's worth having. Um, I think he's a player I would, I would pick up very late in drafts and redraft this year. I think there's some value in there. He's worth having a punt. Uh, I don't think he's going to be anywhere inside the top 30 wide receivers, but I think he's going to have some value in week to week streaming potentially um, depending on matchups. Um, but yeah, I think they did well. 
Um, I liked uh, Juwan Jennings. I thought that was a great pick in round, seven, in round seven. I thought that was a solid pick. I think the best deal they did in this whole draft was they traded their third and fifth round picks, or third next year and the, third, and the fifth this year for Trent Williams. I mean, that was the ultimate steal of this draft. Um, unbelievable value to get arguably the best, second best or third best left tackle in the game. So this this draft for me was was good. I think it lacked because of the lack of picks. I think they lacked some real quality that you pick up in the middle rounds by not having enough middle rounds picks. But then by getting Trent Williams, it moved it from a B uh, minus up to uh, a B plus for me if you factor in the Trent Williams deal because I think that's just a a real solid acquisition and, and they definitely got better, um, which is all you can ask for from your draft. There's definitely three or four players that are going to contribute day one to that team. Yeah. And it, and for fantasy as well, they flattened out a little bit by moving Matt Breda on, took one peg less out of the running back room. So it's just, uh, just probably 15 guys in there now as opposed to 16. So <laughs> we have to wait a little bit closer to the season to find out who the guy is with McKinnon coming back. But the fact Breda's not there helps pick a running back in San Francisco. Let's move over to Steel City. The Pittsburgh Steelers drafted my boy Chase Claypool, Alex Highsmith, outside linebacker, Anthony McFarlane, the running back, uh, guard Kevin Dotson, safety Antoine Brooks Jr., and then defensive tackle Carlos Davis. How do you have the Steelers doing, Murph? Um, I thought they had a shocker. Um, I didn't like their draft at all. I think it was probably the third or fourth worst. Um, Listen, it's hard because they didn't have a lot of picks. Um, no first round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick. And if you factor that in, this draft is a lot better because Minka Fitzpatrick is a, a solid player and he's turned out to be uh, one of the best defensive players in the NFL last season. So if you factor out in this draft, is all of a sudden better, but I'm not going to factor that in because that was done months ago. Um, I I really did not get the, the, Clay, the, the Chase Claypool pick here. I didn't get it. It just, everyone is wowed by his 40 time. Go, wow, he's run 4-4-2. He's a big guy. I didn't get it. And, and then what really compounded it for me was they're going to line him up as a wide receiver, which I just don't understand. Um, he's not a wide receiver. He's a tight end. He's as big as a tight end. He, I know he doesn't like to block, but tough. He's an NFL player. He does as he's told. I just think for me, he, he ran a four four two. I don't think he's that quick. I looked at his tape. He doesn't run four four two routes. He just doesn't look that quick. I mean, he's a weapon, but I just... You could have got Denzel Mims for that pick. You could have got uh, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins. These are all players that were on the board at 49. And to get Chase Capel was a massive reach. I'm huge. I'm I know you're sure. going to defend No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. It was a reach because of the two, I would definitely have picked Mims over Claypool without a oh, yeah, shadow okay. of a doubt. He's a much better wide receiver. But I heard, I can't remember if this is the Steelers. I'm pretty sure Mike Tomlin had Claypool was one of if not his highest graded receiver that they knew they'd be able to get without trading up. So that that would make sense as to why they went and got them because he was their top receiver on the board. But it, like you say, it is a reach. He's not, he wasn't the, the, the guy to go for there if you wanted a receiver. Absolutely not. I don't think he was the guy to go for there for what they needed. Um, I like the Anthony McFarlane pick. I think he's a solid player. I think he could do really well. Um, next season don't think he's anything for this season you've got James Connor is going to get the opportunity to run run himself to the ground uh once again you mentioned Highsmith he's very much a developmental player he could be great he could be he could flame out um there's a lot to like there's a lot to not like uh footwork 
technique's a bit raw. Worry about his his twitchiness a little bit. There's, there's some elements of of Highsmith I think needs needs some work, but he's going to a great organization with a great offensive line coach. Um, sorry, uh, defensive line coaching unit. So I think he's someone that can learn and be good. He's gone to the right franchise for him to get better, but he is a, a developmental prospect. Yeah, I. I, I I didn't like the draft. I just uh, it, they could have got better players um, that fit their needs more, and it's tough because they didn't have a lot of picks. But yeah, it was a C C draft for me. I just didn't. I thought they could have done a lot better. Talking to somebody who didn't have many picks, let's move over to Chicago and the Bears. They pretty much just drafted seventy two tight ends by the look of it. They didn't have a first round pick in fairness, so it's always difficult to make a splash in the draft without a first round pick. And then they went and got a luxury pick in Cole Komet, who is a tight end. I wasn't. The first bit was facetious, but they actually did draft tight end with their first pick. Um, no idea why. I just someone needs to go into that organization and and tell them that tight end is not as valuable a position as they think it is. You signed Jimmy Graham to a contract. Don't know why, because the geese was never getting a job anywhere else. But fine. You've got eleven tight ends on the roster, and then you bypass safety, your biggest position of need. Anton Winfield Jr. is still on the board with Bloodlines pedigree. Um, Grant Delpit is still on the board, who I'm not a fan of Grant Delpit. A lot of people had him as a first-round talent. I don't think he can tackle brilliantly, but I think that's something you can coach. I think that's something that he can get better on. I think he went in the right round for what he is, but people had him as a first-round pick. Safety is the biggest position to need on this team, and they just sent... Nah, we'll just get another tight end. It makes no sense. There's no logic to it. Cole Komet's fine. He's a good tight end. I've got nothing. He was probably the best tight end in this class. I Not my favorite, but overall, looking at the traditional tight end position, he probably was it. But there was no way that any tight end should have gone in the second round in this class. It just made no sense. And, you know, for me, Jalen Johnson was a good pick. I, I think that was the only good one. Gibson, I think can be okay he might not be Kindle Vildor I think went too early I, I like him he's an upside player we did a, we did a mock draft and I think he was going in the sixth round I think he went too early for me I just didn't like the draft I gave a CC minus just didn't think it was very good I think they wasted the opportunities that were presented to them to pick up positions of need and went with players that are going to make absolutely no impact to this football team in 2020 and as a result don't be surprised if the coach and the GM get fired. It, it, if they, if would... they don't win nine, ten games, I think they're gone. Yeah, it's definitely in the realms of possibility, especially as they thought Matt Nagy was going to be the guy. And so far, he's he's just been a jag, hasn't he? He's, he's well, not... he went he went from coach of the year. <laughs> First year he's there, he wins coach of the year. The following year was a car crash, and some of it you can put on play, some of it you can put on scheme, whatever. But I don't think they've done anything this off season to get better. That's no. the thing is you're looking at that division you, and that division's up for grabs. There isn't a standout in that division where you think, oh yeah. It's, I mean, you could, I, yeah, I don't know. no I, king of the North, is there at the moment? No. And I'm sitting there thinking like, you could have got better with this. You, you've brought in your off season consists of signing Nick Foles and drafting a tight end and signing Jimmy Graham. Congratulations, Chicago. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what, how have you got better? You haven't got better. Oh, I just think, what? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I had this down as the third worst draft. There is uh, there is another team that we haven't talked about yet that we will that have had a worst draft. Are we going to talk about them last? Uh, see where they are on the list. No. Good. 
Good. <laughs> no, we're not okay. ending on that bad note. Let's let's talk about somebody who I think got considerably better, or not considerably, but a very they they did really well in in my opinion. That's the Cleveland Browns. They drafted defensive tackle Jedrick Wills, safety Grant Delpit, yet to be seen if he can actually tackle. Defensive tackle Jordan Elliott, linebacker Jacob Phillips, tight end Harrison Bryant, guard or centre Nick Harris, and then wide receiver Donovan Peoples Jones, who. I I I don't know what to do with him. I think he's definitely going to make the fifty-five man roster because he's going to make special teams because of his punt returning skills at Michigan. But man, he was five-star recruit coming out of high school. What goes so wrong from being the number one graded five-star recruit coming out of high school to disappearing at Michigan? And I know high school grading is is not the be-all and end-all of grading and stuff. But surely, if somebody is good and you can see they're good, what how do, what changes? I think Michigan is one of those programs where I think talent either really exceeds beyond expectation and beyond actual talent, or it gets completely lost. When you go to a school like Michigan, the expectation level is so high. You have to be an exceptional player to meet the standards required at Michigan. It's just one of those schools where the level is is here every year. That's the bar to reach that they never do they never reach it very few players ever reach the bar set you know we you had the the documentary a few years ago donovan people jones in there as a rookie or or a sophomore he he did really well Uh, he came out and he made plays he made grabs he he was part of the the offense you know it was really chase winovich was one of the only players in that documentary i can remember going on and potentially fulfilling his promise he was uh first or second round pick to the Patriots. So, you know, he, he, he's someone that you got a lot of confidence in. We'll, we'll do a good job. I just don't people Jones, I think is a good player. I think he, for a sixth round pick, he was a steal. Yeah, I he was. was definitely worth, worth the, the draft pick. Um, is he going to do anything this year? Significant? Probably not, but I think the talent, the skill is there. It's down to coaching. If he can get coached, get um, acclimatized, work with Landry, work with Odell Beckham Jr., get on the page of those. There's a there's a realm for him to be relevant. I'm not saying fantasy relevant, but just relevant. He can be a useful third receiver. Um, Harrison Bryant, um, again, good tight end, made sense. Um, you know, they like to play two tight end sets there. It's interesting now because they signed Hooper. You've got um, Njuku there, I, who was a freak in the combine. First round pick, not so sure that's going to pan out well. Um Jordan Elliott, I thought, was a, is, a, is a great pick. Really, um, really think he he can be dominant. The, the one, uh, you know, Grant Delpit, uh, you know, made it clear. But I think where they've drafted him, they've not overpaid. Again, developmental. If you can get the tackling sorted, he could be an absolute beast because everything else he can, he can dominate. Jedrick Wills was the interesting one. Jedrick Wills was the interesting one for me because they needed a left tackle, and Jedrick Wills can't play left tackle. Hmm. So I don't really know. Because they signed Conklin to fill the right tackle role. They signed him in free agency, gave him a three-year deal. Paid him pretty well. So I don't really understand Wills going in. I mean, he can potentially play left tackle because he blocked for Tua in college. And maybe that's... But he's not really played the position that much. And I think I defended Wills in an earlier podcast and said, well, Nick Saban said he could do it. That's good enough for me. And I, I believe that as well. And I, I, I get the logic, but also I think you looked at what was there. You had Worfs and you had Beckton still available. Worfs would have been the better pick for me at that time, given the fact that Worfs has played the left side and he can do it. I think Wills 
will play the left side. I think he can do it. But, but for a day one starter, you kind of need them to do it immediately. Um, with no OTAs, it's a very strange one for me, given where they were on the board and what they could have taken. I can understand why they didn't go back to, and you don't need another potential loose cannon in, in that locker room. They, they got enough. But I, I think if I was in the Browns' shoes, I'd have probably gone worse. But I think Wills probably might have the better career if he can get that right. So yeah. I, I like the draft. Um, B plus for me. I liked it. Nice. Okay. Let's uh, let's move over to Washington. Obviously, they were at number two, drafted Chase Young, home run pick. Needed help in the wide receiver room, drafted Antonio Gibson and Antonio Gandy-Golden. Loved that pick, by the way. He mm-hmm. could turn out to be a steal as well. Uh, center, Keith Ishmael. Linebacker, Kaliki Hudson. Safety, Cameron Curl. Defensive end, James Smith-Williams. And offensive tackle, Sadiq Charles. And then they added uh, the LSU tight end, Thaddeus Moss, in as an undrafted free agent. And I think he'll hang about because he's very similar to Jordan Reed, who, who was there for a long time. So although they didn't address the tight end situation, I think Thaddeus Moss could be, I think if they one of the UDFAs is going to hang about, it's going to be him because they need a tight end desperately. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. And I think he becomes a little bit interesting, not for fantasy for a while, but I think he's someone that, that could easily make the 55. Um, as you say, Chase Young, knock out of the part, it's the easiest pick you'll, you'll ever make. Um, you'll have no problems with, with him. Um, home run pick, uh, brilliant. Antonio Gibson, I love. I think he potentially, and I'm not saying, if you're going to cop him to a player, he's almost like Christian McCaffrey. I don't think he's going to be as good as Christian McCaffrey because I don't think many, if any players, are going to ever be as good as Christian McCaffrey. But I think he is a dual threat. It's really interesting for fantasy that he was listed as a running back um, that makes him a heck of a lot more valuable than if he was listed as a wide receiver, because I think he's going to line up uh, quite a bit, uh, ready to take balls, especially dump-offs. Um, Dwayne Haskins didn't have a safety valve last year. He had no tight ends that were fit. Um, he didn't have anyone that he could really just palm the ball off to, Adrian Peterson, but, I mean, he's like 982 at this stage. Um, <laughs> is he durable enough to, to, to do it one more year? We'll see. Darius Geis is probably going to go down. So he needed a, a safety valve in there, and and Antonio Gibson fills that. He's got great hands, and he's a terrific receiver. I uh, really like that. Um, I feel bad for Sadiq Charles because he's been brought in to fill in for Trent Richardson, and yeah, yeah I don't think he's going to do that. And I feel bad because that is what he's going to always be compared to. And he wasn't well, drafted in the first round or second round. I mean, it's an amazing opportunity. You'll make the roster. You'll probably start. But I mean, that is one heck of a of shoes to fill. I'm not so sure. Um, Gandy Golden, I love. I think he's the sort of kid who can be phenomenal. Uh, he seems to just pick up everything and, and do it so well. Um, yeah, it. I, I like what they did. Um, sort of a B draft. Um, I would have liked them to uh, invest in the offensive line earlier. Um, I just felt they needed some more pieces, especially as we knew Trent Williams wasn't going to play. Um, it's tough to know when you would have probably done that and what you would have sacrificed to do it. But um, I just felt some of their picks in the middle rounds could have been better and probably could have gone to positions that would help them now. I don't see where this team goes from uh, picking second in the draft to the playoffs immediately with what they picked up. I think this team goes from, from three wins to 
six. Well, hey, look, I mean, let's face it, they picked Chase Young, and if Dwayne Haskins doesn't work out, they'll be back in the mix for quarterback next year, and there's a couple of good ones coming out, so... Yeah, absolutely, and they have got Carl Allen there, so... Yeah, and Riverboat Ron loves a bit of Carl Allen. He sure does. Right, talking of Riverboat, let's move... What a segue that was. Let's do the New Orleans Saints. Stop, knock that out of the park. So they didn't have... this. My favourite draft story is from the New Orleans Saints. Go on, then. Um, Have you heard about the Tommy Stevens story? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But do tell it. Do you tell it? Yeah, do tell it. Tell the story. All right. Well, I'll just I'll, let me build into it. The New Orleans Saints only had four picks, and they picked uh, center Cesar Ruiz, linebacker Zach Braun, tight end Adam Troutman, who gets a glowing review in the fantasy play- playbook. So if you want a bit of that action, go go grab it for five ninety nine over in the store. Sorry, shameless plug. And then they drafted quarterback Tommy Stevens. I'd never heard of Tommy Stevens until I heard about this dude on a podcast. And apparently he was prepared to go undrafted and was pretty much signed up to Carolina Panthers and spoke to their front office. And they were, they were, it was pretty much done on the dotted line and they were waiting until the draft to be over. And then New Orleans said, you know, would come play for us as a free agent. And Tommy Stevens said, no, I'm out of my word. I'll, I'll stand by the Panthers. And then the Saints offered him a stupid amount of money and he still said no. So then, he rang, I can't remember who they rang now. Who did the Saints ring to get moved back into the seventh round? Uh, oh, I can't uh, remember now. Yeah, yeah, that's irrelevant. The, the Saints traded back into the seventh round and uh, they then text the front office of the Carolina Panthers saying, uh, Sean Payton did. He said, I'm, I'm done asking, now I'm taking. And then he drafted Tommy Stevens. <laughs> yeah, I, I Which mean... it's brilliant. It is... And then I listened to Andrew Brandt on the Ross Tucker football podcast. Um, and it turns out you're not allowed to do deals with um, UDFAs until after the draft is over. So, but what, so what does that mean? So it means that the, 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 the Panthers, when you're not allowed to, you're allowed to talk to players and you're allowed to tell them that you are interested in signing them as a, uh, as a UDFA but you are not under any circumstances allowed to discuss the financial details of a UDFA contract. Is this, is this one, of those, one of those things where they say you're not allowed and you're technically not, but everybody does it? It very well could be. But on the other hand, I mean, if, if the Saints offered them a boatload of money, they are just as guilty as the Panthers. Um, I'd expect nothing less from the dregs of the NFC South um, to uh, be you know, smirching the, the name of the great division. That is objection, the NFC Objection, South. Your Honor. You're, you're getting involved personally, Murph, here. Come on, well, keep I'll it know. 500. Okay. So uh, anyway, so the Panthers and the Panthers should not have discussed terms. He should not have agreed terms. They're allowed to talk to a prospect and say that they are interested in signing them and talking to them as a, what if they make it as a UDFA. And that is why the Saints, and credit to them, um, although necessarily breaching the rules uh, by talking about finances decided to just really rub the Panthers up the wrong way and, and take the guy because that's that's fair enough I think you know that uh, it should the... never be in a position where where players should be turning down teams to sign when they're going to go undrafted I think that that's just ludicrous that that even happens so and the funniest thing about this is Tommy Stevens is currently the fourth quarterback on the New Orleans Saints roster so he's probably not even going to make the 50 man 55 man squad and he's going to get cut 
No, well, he'll go on the practice or the development squad. He'll go on the practice squad. Um, he won't make the 55, as you say, unless he makes it in a different position, uh, probably special teams. Um, their tight room, tight end room's a bit tiny, so maybe they sacrifice that for the fourth QB and make him into a Taysom Hill-esque player. But then when you've got Taysom Hill on your roster, do you need to? Um, so you're right. I think he probably ends up as a practice squad player. Um as for the other three picks, um, Ruiz, I mean, listen, I like Ruiz. I thought he was a first-round pick. Um, when you sign Eric McCoy or you draft him the year before, I don't understand it. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. You're basically just admitting that Eric McCoy is not what you wanted him to be and you're drafting a replacement. So that's questionable. I like Zach Bourne. I think he, he's a good player. Um, I think they got him at a great price in round three. And as you say, Adam, Adam Troutman, I think, yeah, uh, I mean, they did well ultimately you're drafting this draft on, on three players, which you have to question why they've only got three draft picks because that just this is ludicrous. And, and did they get any better overnight? No. Um, they've got some players that potentially can, can do something in the future, like, like Zach Bourne and, and, and Adam Troutman, but I don't think this team got any better. So it's a, it's a C plus draft for me just because they didn't draft enough players to, to really help them out. And, and go and win the Super Bowl this year. I don't think they're they're any better than they were twelve months ago. I think I might have found the team that's going to have the worst draft grade. Murph, let's talk about the Houston Texans. Please tell me it's the Houston Texans. No, the Packers got the worst draft. They got an F. No, I meant we're talking about today. Uh, no. Oh, really? Even trading Hopkins away? Surely that has to be coming part of the yeah, draft. Yeah, but I don't, I didn't factor that in. Oh, okay, fair enough. I, I didn't factor it in. Um, so, I mean, I think. Overall, they did okay. Ross Blacklock, I thought, was a good draft pick. Yeah. Um, Jonathan think... Greenard, I think, is a good draft pick. I've watched yeah. him quite a bit. I think he's a good player. Uh, is going to contribute. Um, I really like John Reed. I think that was a, a good pick. I think he, he's going to be a great corner and in, in a massive position to need. I really like Isaiah Coulter. I think for a seventh round pick, he's probably as good as you're going to get. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's going to contribute right away. Probably could have done... With a with a running back, um, think could have probably done with another wide receiver, but they have they are quite deep at wide receiver, so maybe they wanted to to give it another year. Um, ultimately, we do know that Bill O'Brien was pretty pissed that the Detroit Lions <laughs> pulled out of a of a of a trade, and clearly he didn't get the guy that he wanted at like pick eighty or ninety or whatever it was. I think the draft was well, I, it wasn't a good draft. It wasn't a bad draft. It was, I mean. They drafted two good players and then just a load of upside players that you're kind of hoping will land. Um, I don't think they, again, I, I judge drafts on, is this team a lot better than it was 12 months ago? And then this, I guess, is where you do factor in the Hopkins bit. No, they're not. They're not a better team than they were 12 months ago. They got question marks at running back. They now have question marks at wide receiver. You've got question marks at tight end. You've got question marks still on that, that defense. Um, although you have got better at corner, um, you still need, uh, and maybe the edge as well in, in Greenard if he hits the ground running, and that's a big if. I still think you needed additional linebacker play in there. I think you needed um, some additional help in that secondary. I mean, I just—it's a C. It's—it's—it's it's, it's not good. It's not terrible. It—it it, it could have been a lot worse, but at the same token, they're no better than they were 12 months ago. So you can't grade it any higher than that. No, no. I mean, it. Middle of the park, Bill O'Brien. Nobody knows what he's doing. Not even Bill O'Brien knows what he's doing. So, the fact that they managed a middling draft actually is probably good news if you're a Texans fan. Right, let's go back to Todd Gurley's college 
State, Georgia, the Atlanta Falcons. I think they did pretty well. They grabbed cornerback AJ Terrell, defensive lineman Marlon Davidson, Saad, guard, Saad, as a new position, guard and center Matt Hennessy, linebacker Michael Walker, safety Jalen Hawkins, and then a punter in Sterling Hofrichter. I hated the AJ Terrell pick. Um, I loved it as a buccaneer. I hated it um, <laughs> if I was evaluating. Uh, there's better corners on the board. Yep. Um, I didn't I didn't get it. Uh, for me, it didn't make uh, a lot of sense. I felt there were much better corners on the board than AJ Terrell. Um, everyone is going to turn around and say, well, AJ Terrell, he was, um, you know, he put out some good tape and, I think ultimately for me, I just remember how bad he was against LSU. And maybe that's why I don't think KJ Terrell does it because against an NFL offense, he just got absolutely torched. I mean, it was, I, I mean, it was a land slaughter. It was, it was awful. <laughs> um, I just, I just, uh, AJ Terrell for me is, I just think there were better corners. I understand why they went corner. I, I didn't, I didn't even hate the fact they went corner. I just, I just think they picked the wrong one. I think Jeff Gladney would have been better. I have just there were better corners in this draft for me. Um, so I, 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 and then for me, if I'm sitting there and I'm at 16, so you're sitting there, and you're thinking, right, I'm at 16. CD Lamb is on the board, and I know you got Julio Jones, but Julio Jones is getting on a bit, and you got Calvin Ridley, who you invested the first round pick in. But their third receiver is Russell Gage. I don't mind Russell Gage. I think Russell Gage actually in fantasy is a bit of a sleeper. But you can't tell me that C.D. Lamb wasn't considered. And if he, well, you can tell me he wasn't considered because if he was considered, he would have been drafted. I have to question why Atlanta didn't take C.D. Lamb here. With him on the board at 16, you're talking about a generational wide receiver talent. And you're telling me that he couldn't play ahead of, Russell Gage. Really? <laughs> Given the fact that Julio, there is a progression plan to Julio, or it needs to happen. It's going to be a couple of years. We've seen Calvin Ridley do so well as a two, and he can he can thrive in this NFL as a two, or 1B, or whatever you want to call him. I just can't see why he didn't take CD Lamb. That would have been a great pick. I it would have been. been. That's what I mean. It. it would have been a great pick, but instead you take AJ Terrell, and it's now what might have been. Um... I just didn't, and I think that I think the rest of the picks were good. I think Marlon Davidson is great. I think he's he can play different positions on that line. I think Matt Hennessy is brilliant. I think he's probably my second or third favorite interior offensive lineman. And you can't blame teams for building the trenches and doing a good job. And it's what they needed to do. The rest of the picks were good. I just felt that first round pick is what let them down. So it's a B for me, just purely on that. Fair enough. Okay, let's do the Chargers. They didn't need to draft uh, trade. Sorry to get their quarterback of the future, Justin Herbert. They also drafted Kenneth Murray, which I absolutely loved. They then drafted running back Joshua Kelly, wide receiver Joe Reed, safety Alohi Gilman, and then finishing off with Ohio State wide receiver KJ Hill. Where have you got this on your list, Murph? Of A to Z. Uh, near Z. Uh, really? Why? I I hate this draft. Oh, it was terrible. And it's not because of Justin Herbert or Kenneth Murray. Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert is what they needed. It's what fell to them on the board. I have no problem with that selection at all. I think it makes sense. I think Justin Herbert is going to be a fine player. Um, I don't think he's going to be exceptional. I don't think he's going to be a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. I don't think he necessarily should have been a first round player, but I understand 
why he was. So I don't have a problem. I, I don't have a problem with the pick in the essence of what they needed and building for the future. You've made that decision fine. For me, what they paid for Kenneth Murray is just nuts. And I like Kenneth Murray. I think Kenneth Murray is a good linebacker, but you've effectively thrown away your entire day two of the draft for for Kenneth Murray. And to a team that have a poor offensive line, a team that have a defensive line full of studs, but no real playmakers. I mean, I know they've just signed Chris Harris and that defense now looks pretty nasty. Um, I still think they probably need another playmaker in that secondary. But for me, offensive line was a massive need. Um, potentially tight end. We don't know what's going to happen with Hunter Henry after this year. You could have got someone in the middle rounds um, to fill that hole. But just to skip the offensive line, it's just it's just what the Texans do every year. And it's why the Texans never progress. Because they'll get to the playoffs and then they'll play a team that's actually pretty good. And then all of a sudden they'll get beat because Deshaun Watson has to do it all with his legs and he can't because the offensive line isn't protecting him. And unfortunately for Herbert, Herbert is going to know what the turf feels like by the end of this season because he's going to get sacked a lot. (laughs) 45, 50 times? Easy. This kid's going to get absolutely pummeled. He's going to get absolutely pummeled. It wouldn't surprise me that he gets injured this season purely on the lack of protection that he's been given. And if you're going to invest in a first-round quarterback and you know that they need more time on the ball, it's even more imperative that you invest in the offensive line. And the fact that you've just gone, nah, it doesn't matter. I mean, Rivers got absolutely annihilated last year. It's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse. I mean, they're better off this season for the sake of their quarterback. They are better off playing uh, Tyrod Taylor as long as possible. Because Tyrod Taylor's not going to be there next year. So you might as well just let him take all the hits. Let him be the, the, the crash test dummy and then go invest in that offensive line. Just just bend the year off and just start again next year. Okay. I just, I just don't, I, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It, it, now you put it like that, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Why, why invest in a shiny new toy and then throw him in a box full of dirty nickels? Do you know, it, it, he's going to get beat up. Like you say, I hope he doesn't get sacked 50 times because that would destroy your confidence in your first season. It really would. Well, that, that, and that's what I mean. Is you're setting him up to fail. You're you're setting him up to fail. Okay. Tennessee. Um, and that's my that's my issue with it. No, it's just my issue is you're setting him up to to fail. Okay, fair enough. Um, Let, let's go to Tennessee. Do you think they did better? I mean, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't have been hard to to do better. <laughs> um, they at least drafted positions of of need. Um, I mean, this this I, I will. I will say this. It was one of the most boring drafts I've ever seen. I mean, they they did what they had to do. It, I said this on a previous pod. It's never going to go down in a Hall of Fame of an outstanding draft class full of names that, of, of Hall of Famers um, who have gone on and done amazing things. They didn't draft caliber players who were going to be memorable and you're going to put on the side of stadiums. But they replaced positions they, they needed to do. Um, so they lost Jack Conklin. They brought in Isaiah Wilson. He's going to come in and replace him. Fine. Um, so you, you're losing Lake, um, Logan Ryan. You're bringing Christian Fulton. Perfect. Great replacement. Makes sense. So you 
lose your backup running back. Who is it? Dion Lewis, I think. Yeah. Um, you signed Darrington Evans, who basically uh, Darrington Evans, who pretty much is a carbon copy of of Derek Henry. He's just going to do exactly what Derek Henry does, which is perfect. So if if Derek Henry goes down or you lose him next season or whatever happens, you've got a running back who will fit that scheme perfectly and will do exactly what Derek Henry does. Makes sense. Um, you, I think he's, he's a better pass catcher than Derek Henry. He might be, but I don't think he's going to get a lot. This is a low passing volume uh, attack. I don't think he's going to get a lot of targets. I don't think that's how they want to run him. Um, they traded Jarrell Casey. He left. Um, they they bought a player in to replace him, and they've even bought in a backup QB. I mean, all it was was they filled holes on their roster, and yeah. and it's fine. And they replaced him with perfectly adequate players. I I go again with that thought. Did they get any better because of this draft? They drafted players. They lost good players in free agency, and they've replaced them with adequate players. That's that's it. They're, they're not any worse, or maybe a tad worse but they're certainly no better. They're no better than they were. They're not going to make a run to the AFC title game again because they don't have, they don't have what's going to take them over the edge. Um, and they can get that in this draft. And I think if you're a team that is really in a win now, you push the envelope. You really go out there and you get one big piece that's going to make you better. And it's fine to fill holes. And that's why I said it's a perfectly adequate draft. It's boring because you filled all the holes and you bought in talent to replace the ones you lost. And on paper, that's kind of what you're expected to do. But when you're so close to the Super Bowl, you need to get better and they didn't. And that's where they, it, it's a C plus draft because of that. They just didn't get better. It's the same thing. It just didn't get better as a team. How have we made it this far without talking about Jonathan Taylor? Well, that's going to stop. Let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts. How did they do? They drafted, I think they drafted quite well in positions of need. They, I think they got slightly better. Yeah, I'd say they were sort of middle of the road, right? I, I don't think their draft was incredible, um, but I didn't think it, it was too bad. Um, I love what they did with the skill positions. So for me, um, I love the fact that they drafted Michael Pittman. Again, you're talking about a player with bloodlines. His, his dad won the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers, so he's all right in my book. Um, he's a plug and play day one, going to go in the in the X. Um, so perfect. Um, understand that that pick completely. I think he is an absolute sleeper. Um, I think he's a second round auto draft in drafts if you need wide receiver help. Um, I think he's someone that you can quite easily invest in the eighth round of wide receivers if you need one. He's definitely the guy I'd be targeting around there if Marvin Jones is off the board. Um, John Taylor, I think, is exceptional. I love him. I've, I've talked about him enough to tell how much I, I love him. It's going to be interesting with Mac there. I wasn't quite expecting them to do it, but it, again, it, it kind of makes sense. Um, Jacob Eason, again, Jacob Eason is is a is it's got the perfect QB to learn behind for a year, and there's a real clear path to him getting a job in 12 months' time. Um, the interesting question is, if they're pushing for the playoffs, you cannot play Eason. So therefore, if you're not going to play him, what do you do in 12 months' time? Because you don't know how Easton's going to handle the pressure and you're not going to renew Phil Rivers. Otherwise, you would assign him to a two-year deal. So you kind of got this question mark for 12 months' time. Now, if the Colts are out of playoff contention, then it's fine. You play Easton, you see what you've got, kind of like what the, the Broncos did with Drew Locke. You see what you've got and then you decide what you want to do. Um, that's the only thing, I think, going forward is as much as I can see Eason getting a job, if he if they're in playoff contention, I can't see him getting the throws to to take the job. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Um, 
I thought it was good. Um, I do think they will need... I think they did well on offense. I don't think they improved the defense any, and I think they could have probably done with a piece. But I like the draft. They gave him a, a B. It's just straight down the middle. Okay. And then, right, let's wrap it up with the soon-to-be London Jaguars, the Jacksonville Jaguars. That was, you know, probably a long way off if it's ever going to happen. And they drafted a couple of our boys, Murph. They had a lot of picks. They took cornerback CJ Henderson from Florida first with their first pick. Then they took defensive end Kelevon Chason, my boy LaVisca Chenault, wide receiver, defensive tackle Devon Hamilton, offensive tackle Ben Barch, cornerback Josiah Scott, linebacker Shaquille Corderman, safety Daniel Thomas, wide receiver Colin Johnson. I love that pick, by the way, Texas wide receiver, quarterback Jake Luton, tight end Tyler Davis, and then finishing it off with another cornerback, Chris Claybrooks. That's a lot of picks. Uh, yeah, loved. I love that draft. Um, I think they they did they did really well. Um, drafted position the needs, but I think they got better. I think you've got talent on there that that starts day one that makes a difference. C.J. Henderson, as you, you can tell, I think he's an elite cornerback, and I think they've done well to to get him at nine. Caelan Von Chasen, um, similar. I, I perhaps wasn't as high as him, but uh, as some, but uh, you know, he's definitely got all the goods to to be. Uh, legit uh, edge rusher, and you know you put him and Gokwe. If on if Gokwe's going to remain there, and Josh Allen, that's that's a pretty mean front uh, to deal with. You got Chanel, who you love, and if he can remain healthy, he, he is one of the better receivers in this class. That question mark is is health, but I think given where they've taken him, it makes sense. Um, Devon Hamilton, I think, is going to be um, incredible. I mean, he, he, people probably aren't familiar with him, but. I mean, the guy was playing alongside Chase Young. I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to stand out when Chase Young's on your team. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think he could be brilliant. Um, Jake Luson is even interesting. I think he's someone who, if Minshew is, has a few bad games, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they throw the ball to Luton and just say, see what happens. Ultimately, the, the thing with Jags is, is this. They keep trading away all their best players and as a result, they're in a, a difficult position to where they're not going to win any games or they're not going to win a lot of games. They're going to win probably the same number of games they did last year, maybe even less, um, despite having a great draft. I mean, I gave them a B plus. I thought it was a good draft. But there's, they're no better because of the players they traded. It's their front office who ironically pulled together such a great draft have had an absolute nightmare in, in free agency. Yeah. And and that's unfortunate because actually the draft class on its own, if you're judging that on its own, you'd say, boy, this team got better. And then you look at what they've given up and you think, no, I hope. Uh, just not a hope. Um, that's, the, that's the thing with this team. I just don't think they're going to do anything this year because as much as they've got all these weapons, you don't know what you're going to do at the quarterback position. Uh, you signed Tyler Eifert to a lot of money given his injury record, which is just nuts. Um, the run game is as confusing as anything because you're not going to re-sign Fournette. Um, you didn't take his option. Yet the path behind him is just confusing and muddled. Um, you've traded away all those defensive players that were part of Saxonville. There's only two of them that remain. We've been through this before. Um, yes, okay, you've replaced some of them with some good players like Josh Allen and uh, and Caelan Chasen. And, and yes, okay, you've got CJ Henderson, but it's going to take time. And this team isn't just going to, it's just not going to do anything this year. So good draft class, done well to build for the future, but it's going to be a stinker in 2020. 100%. I agree completely with that. Shame, really, because they picked up some nice pieces, but we'll have to wait a couple of years to see how they go. So look forward to the future. Talking of the future, 
the book price goes up next Monday. So go pre-order it from the shop at Five Yard Rush on Twitter or www.fiveyardrush.co.uk. Go to the shop, get yourself a copy of the book. Like Murph said, we have had glowing praise. There's a, And also some of the rookies we mentioned today are in the little rookie portfolio I wrote. So if you can't remember what we said in your ears, go get the book and have a look. Absolutely. Jobs are good. And this has been fun, Murph. Hope you've enjoyed part two, Rush Nation. I feel like there's going to be lots of extra bits coming out in the next couple of weeks or months regarding the rookies and camps and as stuff starts to reopen. Because I know that the governor of New Jersey or New York has come out today and said that sports teams can return to training facilities. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, like Murph said, we do have an absolute blockbuster of a guest hopefully coming on Friday. I never want to commit fully to that far down the road, but so far, it's all penciled in and we are looking forward to it massively. It's, it's more than penciled in. It's Google Calendar then. Well, that is legit. Someone get the feather <laughs> and quill out, guys. We are recording Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for it. it one of one of the best guests uh, I think we, we had, might ever have. Um, we might need the bleep machine. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a chance. I, there's might, a chance make, I might be working overtime Friday night on the edit, but who knows, eh? <laughs> But yeah, do check out the book. If there's any questions um, before you want to buy it, just let us know. Uh, we'll see what we can do. Um, but again, just thank you so much to everybody that has bought this and support the podcast. Um, it's really hard to be sincere over audio. Um, and some people think that perhaps at times some of it's sarcastic. And I am sarcastic about uh, football takes, but definitely not when I'm um, speaking from the heart when talking about the pod and, and people that have supported it. It really means the world that people have invested uh money time effort just anything into um what we do and and this book is you know i i think i put it in a a facebook post earlier that i never really set out to write a book i don't think you probably did either stocks if i'm speaking honestly and um it wasn't something that was high on the ambition list but we just had this great material and we and we had these great ideas and we just thought we we had to do it and we're so pleased of how we how it's turned out and and listen that i'm don't at me if there's um grammar mistakes but i mean we we proofread this we've had someone else proofread it and but we're a self-published small small two-man operation three-man if you include lee and more so if you include the writers but this book was a very small process and i'm sure there probably is a couple of errors in there that we've missed um or did we leave them in there for fun you know (laughs) but again we're not charging you blockbuster prices either we're not charging 20 quid for this um it's there for use it's there to make notes on and um just want to say thank you to to everybody and um you know if you haven't bought the book yet um skeptical for whatever reason get in touch um but ultimately if you haven't bought it yet and you've been waiting till payday you'll still have that opportunity to to get it at the the low price of of 5.99 and then if you do buy it in the you know the next day or so you can also be entered into to win one of the prizes and you never know you might even get your book refunded um so so you need a way for payday <laughs> exactly well i mean yeah I, I don't want to say your chances are good but they're not bad um but listen it just thank you to everybody who has listened to every episode of this podcast or some episodes of this podcast thank you to everybody who's ever interacted with us or sent us a message or you're the reasons we we did the book you're the reasons that we keep doing these pods and we're 212 in now um and why we keep getting guests and why we keep doing this and um 
just from the bottom of my heart thanks for for everything i've made a lot of great friends doing this and this isn't me signing off and it's not like (laughs) an end of the podcast or uh, we're not going anywhere but just it's it's hard not to get a little bit emotional when you work so hard on a project for so long and then you get it out there and it's now out and people are are messaging even as we're doing this pod saying thanks so i love this book and uh, really appreciate it it's a bit overwhelming in some regards but just thanks to to everybody and yeah i i hope people more people go out and buy it um, we've made it at a price that it, it's affordable it's a it's a pint of beer and a, and a bit of extra change yeah so yeah no absolutely right we are we are blessed and thankful that you have been on this journey with us and will continue to be so and and anybody who's you know reached out and like Murph said, or even bought the book. Thank you so much. And and this isn't me signing off either. We we're, we're just we are supremely grateful. So yeah, as uh, uh, in these trying times as well, a little bit of sunshine in in the in the dark days of COVID has been has been a relief for me. I know that, and and has for Murph as well. So Rush Nation, we are we are very grateful, and uh, we'll show that gratitude on Friday with an absolute blockbuster guest because it's googled in. So uh, yeah, until Friday, uh, enjoy reading. If you've got the book, and uh, as always, don't forget, keep rushing. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.